Good morning. Uh, this is Mac here at Friendship Baptist Church in Metcalf. We're going to continue this morning in the book of James. And just as a quick review, we're going to just kind of do a very fast summary of what we already looked at in this book. We started out in chapter 1, and we're still actually in chapter 1, at the beginning of the book where he's talking about joy in troubles and in trials. And in the message that I delivered on that, we talked about the type of trials that we go through. And really the hope of that message was that no matter what we go through, God is doing something through our trials to benefit us and to make us more like Jesus. And I don't know of anybody who would say that they love going through trials, but James reminds us that there is something God is doing and there's something to look forward to after going through those trials in this world when we go to the world that is to come. The second thing we looked at uh, in the next sermon was about wisdom and how to ask for wisdom. And I share with you some things from my own heart about why I sometimes can doubt but should not doubt. And a lot of the issue, and I'll be honest with you, most of the issue when it comes to doubting is not a deficiency on God's part, but it's a deficiency on our part to trust Him and to just basically hand it over completely to Him. So if you have issues with that or want to learn more about that, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message and look over that section of the book of James. Last week, we looked at the lowly brother. And the scripture says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. And so what we did last week is we took this verse in James. And then we went back to the words of Jesus when he was talking about the rich man and Lazarus. And I really hope that those two scriptures together really helped you understand that passage a little bit better. Well, this Sunday we're going to continue on and we're going to be looking specifically at verses 12 through hopefully 18. We'll see what we can get today as we go through the scripture. And I'm going to read the scripture, then we're going to go back and talk about the scripture, and then we're going to see another scripture that we can overlay on top of this and that hopefully will make it make a little bit more sense, all right? So let's begin together. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives forth or brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You know, the most amazing thing to me, and the most frustrating thing to me, is that no matter how hard I work in my yard, within just a couple of days, or even one day if it rains real well, I'm going to have to cut my grass again. And that can be so frustrating because I don't know if you're like me, I get tired of cutting my grass. Not only does my grass continue to have to be cut, my house continues to have to be cleaned, my dishes continue to have to be washed, I continually have to put gas in my car, and I continually have to eat, which isn't always a bad thing, but it can be. But, but there's, well, there's never anything that we've done that we won't have to go back and do again. A brand new house needs new shingles, uh, brand new plumbing needs new appliances eventually. It's just the way things go. Nothing in this world is permanent. Nothing in this world stays the same. The whole world, no matter how new we make it at times, is constantly degrading because of sin and the repercussions of sin. 
Well, James is reminding us that when we're going through trials, we need to have a stick to itness mentality. Uh, I like to use the terminology, keep on keeping on. We've got to keep on keeping on in this world. And the promise that James gives us in this scripture is that God is going to reward our keep onness or our steadfastness or our ability to keep on keeping on. He says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed is the one who can go through the trial that can hold on to the end. And then it says here that when he has stood the test, he's going to receive the crown of life. You see, God is waiting for us as if we're at the end of a race. He's ready for us to get to the finish line so that he can reward us for completing the race. You know what's amazing? I've, I've only been in maybe one or two races in my life. And looking at me, you're probably doubting that I've even been through one or two. But the thing about a race is this. You have the people that you know are going to finish first. They're going to be the best. They work the hardest. Everything has just worked out for them. They have the best DNA. They have the best trainers. They have the best everything. And they finish the race. Well, they may have finished the race, but God isn't so much looking at who's going to be in first place when they finish the race. God wants you just to finish the race. And not finish the race in the sense of settling, but it is a victory to finish the race. I know I've been to some races where the last person who struggled the most has come to the finish line and everybody else has kind of run alongside them and congratulated them and cheered them on and run with them after they've gone, after they've gone that last little bit to the finish line. You see, God doesn't care where you are in the race. He just wants you to finish the race. And when you finish the race, he's going to reward you for finishing that race. See, he's promised it. Look what he says here. He says, when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So, so, so that's the issue. He, we want to get to the end. We want to persevere to the end. And if we do that, then guess what's going to happen? God is going to reward us for that. Now, now, there's another thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about finishing the race. Um, I don't know about you, but I have, I've had to do things similar to that to where I've been trying to work towards an end goal, but I've gotten discouraged along the way. Don't you just imagine the number of people that are racing and that are working and they just want to give up sometimes and they want to get discouraged sometimes. They just want to quit. They just want to throw it all away, but they still finish. God wants us to understand that. We're going to get discouraged. We're going to get upset. And we may even get to the point where we just want to give up. But what James is saying here, you need to keep pushing on. You need to keep heading in that direction so that you can attain that final prize, that final gift. Look what he says here in this next verse, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. You see, sometimes there's a tendency when things don't go our way or we're not progressing the way that we think that we ought to to blame God for our failures and our struggles. James reminds us in this scripture that if we're ever tempted to do something that we shouldn't do, that's not God's fault that we've gotten tempted. The reason that we've gotten tempted is because we've actually, there's something inside of us that is wanting to attach or wants to partake of something outside of us. I like to tell the story about when my son was being born. Now, Keaton right now, this, as this, the, the date that this is being recorded, is 16 years old. But I remember when he was born, we were watching The Biggest Loser. And one of the things that one of the people said on The Biggest Loser was that they wanted, was that they wanted to lose weight before their children knew that they were fat. And they cried and they cried and they cried. But I, I really I understood where they were coming from. I wanted to be healthy for my son. I wanted to be able to do things with my son. And so I went on Weight Watchers, and I got to the point where right before he was born, I had lost right at 24 pounds. Well, sitting in the hospital, I went to the one place that the, the dad can go, that the mom can't go, which is to the vending machine. 
And when I got to the vending machine, I got to see this little beautiful chocolate cake inside that vending machine. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this chocolate cake. That's got many different names. I'll just describe it, and if you know what it is, you'll, you'll be able to connect with me. But it's a little chocolate cake with a little bit of white swirl on the top and white cream in the middle. Living in Thomasville, Georgia, we actually have Flowers Baking Company here, and Tasty Cakes makes a very, very good version. In fact, the, the best version to me of this cake there is. But, but where I was living at the time, they didn't have that particular brand, so I got it out of there. I got an ice cold Coca-Cola, and then I was hungry enough to where I got some potato skins. Now, if you've never had a potato skin, let me just share with you. It is a snack you eat when there's nothing else to eat. And so I got the potato skins, I got the cupcake, and I got the Coca-Cola, and I sat there, and I ate it, and I enjoyed it, and I completely derailed myself. Now, it would be easy for me to go back and look at that snack cake and blame the person who put it in the vending machine and say that they're the reason that I fell off of my diet. I could look at the person who filled, it, filled up the soda machine and say, that, it's that person's fault that they had a soda in there because I love a good cold Coca-Cola. I, I could even blame the person that put the potato skins in there and say, listen, I know you didn't think anybody was going to eat them, but I ate them. I could really do that. But the truth is, there are people every day that went by that vending machine that saw the same things, never ordered them. They were never tempted. You see, the problem was what I saw in there was something that tempted me. And so when we're running this race of life, there are going to be times that we get tempted. There are going to be times that we get discouraged. There are going to be times that we're, we're side railed. We're just kind of put on the side of what's going on. But James wants, us to, wants to remind us that it's not God who sidetracks us. It's not God who derails us. It's not God who tempts us, okay? If you read a little bit further in there, it says this, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So what happens when we're tempted is, realistically, there's nothing outside of us that truly can tempt us. I'm in a church right now. I'm by myself recording this message. There's nobody in here. There's a piano, there are pews, there are lights, all the rest. There's nothing in this place that tempts me. There's nothing in this place that's telling me to do something. But let's just pretend for just a moment there was. Maybe there was a person sitting here tempting me to do something that I didn't need to do. No matter what they do outside of me, what has to connect with what they're trying to do outside of me is what's inside of me. If I don't want what that person is offering, or if I don't want what is in front of me, then I'm not going to partake of that. You see, the temptation is not the object. The temptation is the person, is inside the person that's perceiving or pursuing the object. James says this. He says, again, here's the issue with desire. It, you're tempted when you're lured, when you're enticed by your own desire. A fish chases after a plastic lure because they see it as something that's going to benefit their hunger. You're seeing out something outside of you that is gonna benefit your hunger. Now we know during fishing that a plastic worm is not gonna feed a fish. And guess what, whatever it is outside of you is not gonna make you happy. But it's not a matter of if it's gonna make you happy. You think it's gonna make you happy. You think it's gonna bring you peace. You think it's gonna bring you joy. And so you focus on it, you're lured by it, you're enticed because inside of you, you desire, you want it. And then when you want it and you keep focusing on it, you eventually do it and that brings about sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. We talk about marriages falling apart because of different things. Marriages fall apart because people look outside of their marriage for things that they shouldn't be looking for. 
We know people that lose their job and, and, and different things that happen with families and people in prison today. What you really see are a lot of people that want to blame other people for their problems. But the majority, if not just about every problem that we have, really stems from what's in here, struggling with everything else that, that is out there. James wants to remind us, look there in verses 16 through 18. We don't need to be deceived, he says, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, verse 18, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Everything that's good in this world comes from God. Everything that is destructive in this world is due to sin. And the thing we need to realize is this. When we're, right, when we're running this race, when we're trying to get to the end of it, we need to understand that what God wants us to do is to remain faithful. James is saying here in a nutshell that if you persevere to the end, guess what? God is going to reward that. Our Christian walk is not an 11 to 12 o'clock service on Sundays. Our Christian walk is not a Sunday school class or a Bible study or even just a little bit of prayer time in the car on our way to some location. Um, our Christian walk really is every waking moment of our lives. And, and, and I would just say today as we kind of close this out that it doesn't so much matter where you start as it does it matters where you finish. I want to encourage you as James does. Realize this world is tough. It's rough. There's always something. There's always something. But keep on keeping on. And there's going to come a day, and we've mentioned this in the last couple of messages. There's coming a day where we're not going to have to struggle anymore. There's coming a day where we're not going to have to push anymore. There's coming a day where we don't have to lose hope anymore. Because in that day, everything's going to be completed. All God asks us to do in the short little life that we have is to remain consistent and to keep on keeping on. You sin, seek forgiveness, start again. Lord, I took a left and I should have taken a right. Well, straighten the car up and move it in the right direction. You always have the opportunity to start over. His grace and his mercies are new each and every day. Take advantage of that while there's still time. And keep on keeping on for Jesus. I just want to encourage you as we close. In 1 Corinthians 9, there's a scripture that you can read that goes alongside this. Paul wrote this scripture. But it says, do you know, this is 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. I'm just going to read it and let you digest it as the Spirit allows. It says, do you, know that, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after I am preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I just want to say this, kind of summarizing this little scripture that Paul gives us. All runners run. Everybody that calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ has a life of struggle and a life of needed, continued, renewed focus. So I want to say this morning, first off and first foremost, that the struggle is real. And I want to affirm that in your life. The struggle is definitely real. Also, I want to say here we need to make sure not to lose focus. He says here that, you know, we're, we're basically we're running as if we are to attain it. 
and we exercise self-control in all things. But I like what verse 6 says, 26 says, we do not run aimlessly. We don't need to lose focus. We have a reason for being here. We have a purpose in our life. There's a reason for the race. We are working for an imperishable prize. We're not getting a ribbon. We're not getting a trophy. We're getting the crown of eternal life that God is going to give us in Christ Jesus. And so what do we need to do today? We need to discipline ourselves for the race ahead. We need to do what we need to do to prepare for that and to take accountability for our own performance. So I just want to encourage you that. Keep running the race. Keep on keeping on. Realize that God loves you and wants you to finish strong. May God bless you through the reading and the teaching of his word. Thank you so much for joining us today. We love you. Have a great day.